Hey guys, welcome back to the next episode of the Advanced Man Podcast. We are going to finish our epic conversation with Duncan Burns today, the ex-gang member who was shot and pronounced dead three times. Uh, he had 15 doctors in his medical room because they did not understand how he was still alive, the amount of blood that he'd lost and the amount of blood that existed in his lung after releasing himself from hospital. He was handcuffed to the bed and had a couple of cops there to make sure he couldn't check himself out. He's had a hell of a story. Remember, the the Advanced Man podcast is helping men advance in their health, happiness, relationships, identity, and wealth. So if you're a man and you're advancing or want to advance in any of those areas, stay tuned, check in, message us uh, inside the academy here, and you know we can help you grow as a man, and that's our job. So absolutely awesome chat. Jump into the next episode, and I'll see you there. So yeah, and as I said, like there was even that internal thing within me, like, I'd come to a certain situation and, you know, like be in the middle of a situation that was fucking extremely violent. You know, there was guys, you know, guys being baseball battered and shot and shit around me. And it was like, there was something in me that would just, I would get to a certain point and then I would stop, you know, I was like, fuck, I just, I don't want to cross that line. And there was a part of me that I guess deep inside me knew that once I crossed a certain line, there was like, that's it that's the lines crossed now it's like i really don't give a fuck so mm. yeah yeah there was that big part of that within me as well <clears throat> there's two two things i want to ask into that um one is uh what with the experiences you've had mm. being in and out and even in the men's initiation space and you know whatnot what is the differentiating factor that you've seen where that men will go beyond that line and men won't because just to give a little bit of context in in my men's work right i see the same thing there are men that are that cross that line and that line in my space is a positive line right like they're all in to the work like they commit to the processes they commit to the practices they commit to the routine the structure the systems they you know so they they go past that line and that's a that's a healthy thing in in my my space um but in in gang life that would be different right like i said so how how yeah what's the differentiating factor that you've seen in men like that either that what who crosses that line and who doesn't well yes what you what i heard you just say then was that you know guys will go and push past the boundary or push and push and push and in saying that that can become unhealthy even though it's doing something healthy sure. like um training and and that and just and just pushing it and pushing and pushing like you'd know as knowing as much as what you do around sports and health and all that sort of stuff that can it be it's healthy until it becomes unhealthy and everybody has obviously their line of where it becomes unhealthy um yeah man i guess it's 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 comes down to the individual too though too you know like some people have a lot more drive in them to to push and see how far they will go and how much they can tolerate and then there's other people that just don't have that in them um i guess my 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 question though is like in the in the gang scene those like you knew there was a line and if you push it because i know you push that line in other areas but you didn't push it there so i guess my curiosity is more so to the to the negative line like what these these members that went just went fuck it and went all in and did the things that you know you were like no nah, i'm not going past that because i go past that line there's no coming back yeah. um yeah what's the what was did what do you notice the difference in them compared to you 
now that you can reflect on it? <sighs> um, if any. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And yeah, there's a level of like really unhealthy ego mm-hmm. in that space. Like, and there's that um, really unhealthy level of competition. And then there's that, um, just that psychopathic side. And that's what it is. It's, uh, you know, um, depending on what they've, what they've witnessed and what they went through as children, um, what they experienced. Um, I guess it's, you know, similar to, you know, two kids could grow up in a household and their parents are alcoholics or drug addicts, you know, one kid may go this way and follow the same thing. And the other kid may go to the complete other end of the spectrum and not have anything to do with it in that life. Um, So yeah, it's a, it's a hard question. And I guess it sort of comes down to the individual again as well. And oh, okay. Um, also possibly how much external validation or um, uh, notoriety in that scene do they want or are they chasing? Yeah, that's, you know, like, that's what I was going to say. Do you, do you think they've reached a certain level of desperation within themselves? I think they've reached a level of being completely fucking lost and disconnected with who they really are inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, what it is they've experienced as a child and what they've grown up with, that need for um, their ego being fluffed up, um, that external validation they're needing, how far they'll, how far they'll really go to get that. I mean, there's obviously, you know, years ago, and I guess even now, there's a lot of fear from the general public around gang members and what they are and what they represent and all that sort of stuff. And there's people in that lifestyle that thrive on that. Mm. Oh, I, really I, I had the Master of Arms show up at my house in, in my old life, you know, and um, yeah, it's scary, you know, and I could... I had my dogs there, you know, I had a, a couple of big dogs um, yeah. and I had them at the door and f- for a reason, cause I knew there were, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not stupid. Um, yeah. You know, I knew there were things happening in my life that weren't uh, very good. And I, you know, had the, had a big bull mastiff and, you know, as dogs are, dogs are great. They know when shit's not good. And, um, you know, they bark when people rock up, but then you can tell when they're barking and you can tell when they're barking, you know, and, I had them at the door, luckily, and um, it, it probably saved my life in that moment, or it saved that whatever could have happened. You know, he didn't come inside, but he he still stood there, and he was still intimidating, and he still delivered the message that he wanted to deliver. Um, and yeah, you know, like I, I mean, who knows what what was going to happen or could have happened? Um, I I have some ideas, and <laughs> I, you know, and it didn't stop there. You know, it kept happening a little bit until it didn't. Um, but it is they, you know, they they. When you have felt disempowered in your life, and you you may agree with this, um, taking power from others is, you know, the fastest way for you to feel empowered. You know, it's like if you don't feel strong, overpowering other people is the fastest way to give yourself the perception that you are now strong. Um, And, you know, at no point do I say that, you know, what these guys do is okay, but I understand on some level where it comes from and how it gets there. And obviously I put myself in that position for that to happen. So I'm not, you know, sure. If they didn't happen, that wouldn't, but if I wasn't doing what I was doing, that wouldn't have unfolded. I'm aware of that. 
Um, but yeah, you know, and and a month later, four of them rocked up to my house, kicked the door in with bats, chains, and hammers, and you know, and, and storm the house. Um, it is. It's they use fear. You know, they use fear. They use power over, and um, it is intimidating. You know, it's very intimidating because I look at gang members the same as an army. You know, like an army go through hell together to build camaraderie so that they can go and do things that you know normal people can't do knowing that they've all been through that initiation together and and member gangs members are, are similar they go you, you go through the initiation so that they you know they pump each other up they do the things and then they go and do the things together and they know they've all got each other's backs that's the theory yeah absolutely sure being being in that lifestyle it isn't like that no. that's what i what i witnessed and what i lived was it's fucking treacherous yeah yeah a lot yeah a lot of backstabbing yeah oh and 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 the outcomes can and usually are very fucking brutal Mm. Uh, so yeah i hear what you're saying and yes there is that level of perceived camaraderie and all that sort of stuff um but um yeah, really behind the scenes and what I witnessed and what I yeah, what went on for me is when we weren't at war with another when they weren't at war with another club, they were at war internally. Yeah. That was just who they were. That was their lifestyle. They're out. And what came yeah, what what came to me before is is it's like very primal. Um you know, if there's a, you know, any guys are big guys and they smell fear, they get off on standover. They thrive on fucking standover, you know. Yeah. Or the opposite to that is the little guy has got little man syndrome because he needs to be able to make a man for himself to compete with the guys. So he needs to do two, three times as much to be able to do the same as what the big guy does, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's that ego, unhealthy ego of competition, you know, <clears throat> and the unhealthy ego of materialism as well and greed and, mm-hmm. and all of those things as well, yeah. man, as well. Well, and that's they've got to put on the united front because if they don't, then the, the, then no one will be afraid of the gang, right? No one will be afraid of the group that they are. So they've got to put on the united front. Um, and it's the same as, it, I think it's no different, like, you know, slight, I mean, slightly different, but energetically, no different to a football club, right? Like I've been a part of football clubs and you cross that white line and if someone tackles your mate wrong or whatever, you're in. Even if you don't like the dude, you're fucking like, that's my teammate, I'm, a, you know, but then you get back into the clubhouse and I say that, sports clubhouse you know not the <laughs> not the game but then there's blokes fucking each other's wives and talking dirty about each other and doing dumb shit and it's like we're supposed to be fucking teammates you know and I, all i think is that you know i think there's just different layers and i feel like gang life is just a a, 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 a steroided up you know and i don't mean they will take steroids i just mean like you know an accentuated version of the same thing yeah absolutely um yeah it's almost like you know and i live football life as well so it's like you know, when they get on the piss, the egos come out and then it's an internal, you know, the guys will be punching on after the football game that are in the same team because oh. they're all alcohol and the egos have all come out. So, exactly. yeah, there's definitely some similarities. Absolutely, man, for sure. Yeah. All right. We. I feel like we're, we're doing it. I'd love to know, like, what was the tipping point? You know, like, how did you change? Why did you change? What was the thing that, you know, you were like, this identity doesn't serve me anymore? And how how hard was it for you to do that? Getting shot. Um, when I got shot, that was the, 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 you know, they, they say you get touched with the feather hit with the brick or the baseball bat and then the truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the ball was my truck. Um, my daughter, 
uh, who's my eldest child, um, was four months old at that stage. Um, so I was in the midst of going through a, a massive life change, having my first child. Uh, her mother um, had really bad postnatal, so I took time off work stayed home, did night feeds, you know, looked after her. We became really, really close and connected, obviously, um, through that process. And then, um, yeah, when she was four months old, I got shot. Um, bullet went in my back, out my chest, on the bike. Um, I managed to ride a kilometre up the road, um, knowing that if I didn't make it to my vice president's house that, um, yeah, I would definitely die. Um, <clears throat> I ended up dying in the gutter um, when I got to his place um, and paramedics brought me back. Um, I didn't learn the lesson. It was it two or three days later, I checked myself out of hospital. I put, got the nurses to pull the hoses out and that. And it's like, didn't even give them the time to stitch me up and just walked out of the hospital. Um, yeah, just running on adrenaline and, and whatever else um luckily i couldn't find anybody to to get square with um which i'm super grateful for um and was you in mean, and out you of mean hospital. like payback or retribution is that what you mean yeah. yeah yeah um and then was in and out of hospital over the next four weeks with a blood transfusion this that and the other i still wasn't listening to doctors and then it got to the point four weeks later where i went to lay down and um the, the pain in my chest when i laid down was full on so, and I'd started to sweat as well, you know, so I thought, yeah, this isn't good. So I went up and drove up to the hospital and checked myself in again. And I can't, there's a, there's another patch of time that I can't uh, remember and um, woke up in a pretty dimly, oh, a dimly lit room and had a security guard uh, in the room with me um, after about, you know, the third or fourth group of trainee doctors coming in or pre-med students or whatever it was to check my charter so i turned to the security guard and said you know what's the deal was it why are all these people coming and um he said they actually can't work out how you're still alive mm. um so yeah the the doctor came in and basically just said we're going to cut you from your chest to your back open you up and start chopping out ribs if we have to um to work out what's going on um my lung was still punctured for obviously the four weeks um i was internally bleeding obviously still um so yeah they ended up pumping three and a half liters of blood and fluid out of my lung cavity and the pain was the fact that that blood and fluid was coming across and coming across into this lung cavity and starting to squash this lung um so yeah then waking up and being in the hospital for the next week after that operation and watching, you know, the my daughter come in with her mother and um, my partner at the time and just like, like really, like, is this what I fucking want? You know, like, do I want to be a part of my daughter's life growing up and, and see her grow up or do I want to keep living this life and next time might not be so lucky, you know? So mm. yeah, I made the choice. Um, just that's it. I've, I've had enough, you know, on top of that, um, I, I definitely don't feel I was supported the way that they said they would. So that was just a, and also it was a build up of red flags, obviously over the years. Um, are you, are you talking like, about by the gang or the doctors or the partner, the gang? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
club and all that sort of stuff, just the treachery I saw and being set up and all sorts of things. Um, so I was just like, fuck, yeah, just fuck it. It's not worth it. So, um, you know, I'm out. Um, so, yeah, getting out was a bit, no, I don't know whether you want to say a little bit easier. I paid my price, but, um, yeah, getting out was a bit easier for me then at that stage. And then um, I pretty well dived into a really full-on bout of depression. Um, I was diagnosed with complex PTSD, severe depression. Um, and, yeah, all I knew was that I had to to, to get out and work to, to make money to survive and keep providing for, for, my, for my family, you know. Um, so just suppressed everything, pushed it all to the side and just buried my head in work and spending time with my daughter on the weekends, you know, as much as I could. Mm. Um, yeah. And so we all generally know how that turns out. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know too many people that will, will be able to relate to that story, but uh, what it does do is it shows the depth that, you know, one, the, the human, the human mind and the human soul is possible is capable of when pushed. And, um, you know, it's like, if you can come back from that, I'm I'm hoping I'm really hoping that it gives another man who's listening now some belief that you know he can come back from wherever he is. Uh, mm. You know that's my intention for for asking that question because obviously I know I do know that story, but um, I still still feel every time you tell it, you know, I'm just like holy shit. Um, and so you know we're gonna have to start wrapping up soon, but um, how does how hard is it to change? Right, like you know that's. That's a pretty, you're pretty rooted in not just like who you think you were, but also it would have been hard to get out of the club, right? Like, I, I know you said it was easier, but like, you know, it's not just a matter of going, oh, I'm going to quit my job and decide that I'm going to, you know, try and go back to uni and study. It's like, there's, there's a level of initiation that you partook in that, you know, it's not just a bye. Um, and so the will in, in my belief, the will that it requires in order to stay motivated to stay out and, and keep out um, is, is far greater. And obviously, you know, like I was interviewing someone before Pete Tanzing, he goes hitting rock bottom is sometimes the best thing you can do because once you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere else to go. So you just got to get up and move. And like I said, moving away from pain tends to be a lot more motivational than moving towards pleasure. Um, mm. Doesn't mean you can't have both. Uh, mm. But um, yeah, the question is like, I'm curious, what's the inner working of your mind when you st make that decision and then you get hit with the depression and the bouts of, you know, PTSD? And it's like, I mean, how do you recreate your identity in that? Yeah, fuck, man. Um, I still go through some spaces um, like we've discussed, you know, just recently. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was actually talking into this with the, the, the one of the professors from the uni that came to interview me around um, the gang program that I was a case manager for a few years back, supporting them to get out of that lifestyle and mm. basically integrate back into you know society. Mm. Um, and I just kept listing all these things about what they're going through and and all you know who they are and who they used to be and blah 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 and throughout the interview a few times he had to get up and walk around the room is just trying to wrap his head around what is going on and that's why a lot of guys go back to that lifestyle because they've created and they're clinging on to that identity they're like hitting rock bottom and in that space is i guess in any space really is it's the the whole identity of someone is shattered is like back to absolute 
the skin and bones of who you who you are or even who you thought you were you're just taken right back stripped right back you know back to nothing and it's like fuck right oh so what have i got to do to move forward to create or or even work out who i am to be able to move forward um yeah for me back then it was just like just i went into autopilot go to work come home go to work come home you know just that routine and i guess yeah okay i just said it it's a it's a routine just little steps little steps you know like going through a space i went through you know a little while ago um it was yeah said to me you know just get out and do something go go and do you know go to the gym start training just one little bit at a time one little bit at a time you know a big thing for me is has been for me has been a saving thing for me is going to the beach and you know just living in my car for a weekend and just being at the beach and just not having anything or just just being present at the beach swimming walking doing all those things and I guess realistically getting out of my head getting out of the space of beating myself up um and working on releasing shame and guilt um for who and what I'd done previously um and letting go of some of the stuff that I was carrying um so yeah it's I guess it's once again it's for the individualist to find things that 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 they find happiness in and find those little bits of happiness in in amongst all of those things and work on building those times of happiness to cre- to create a bigger time of ha- you know bigger bigger spaces of happiness mm. rather than still sitting in that that dark hole you know mm. i um it's it's hard when you're in it you know isn't it like oh. i've i've been in it and i've got a couple of mates in it and some clients in it and when you're in it all you want to do is get out of it but and you're looking for the you're looking for the ladder, you know. You're looking for the ladder. You're looking for the rope. It's pitch black. You can't see anything. You're scratching the walls, and you'll almost, you'll do anything to get it. Um, and yeah, like you know, I, I we were at Men's Circle last night. I I run a Men's Circle Tuesday nights, which I know you know about. And you know, we wrestle for the first thirty minutes to to get them in their bodies, to get their emotional bodies active, so that then when it comes to the sharing there you know there's already that trust there's a camaraderie there's like, all right we've met like fucking man to man face to face and and we can open up and you know the way i run it's slightly different to a lot of other men's circles um it's pretty organic and pretty free flowing um but yeah there's a guy that comes and and he's in it like he's he's just in it you know he he had a big breakthrough 4 weeks ago didn't come back for 3 weeks and then it picked his head poked his head back in and he's and he's back in it you know and um i was just sharing you know, he's like, I just want to get out. I'll do whatever it takes. And I'm like, come every fucking week then every week. Yeah. Like every, don't, don't be like, oh, I feel better and not come, come every fucking week. There is no secret. The only, if there is a secret, like what you just said, find ways to give yourself love or happiness and repeat them again mm-hmm. and again and again. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's exactly what you just said. You know, it's like, find the things that make you happy because right now you don't have anything in your life that reminds you of happiness and you just need to find the simplest thing. It might be a straw. It might be the, the smallest straw, but you've got to hold onto it for dear life. And, um, and, and you will, you'll claw yourself back out if you want it, you know? Uh, and I know, and he wants it. I know he does. And I know you wanted it. And that's why you're here now and where you are. And, but yeah, you know, I feel like, it doesn't stop happening. You just get better at dealing with it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And also um, get more comfortable with reaching out 
and oh. saying to people, get, saying to somebody, at least one person going, hey, man, this is where I'm at. Don't know how to fucking get out of this. I'm in in deep, you know. Um, for me, when I separated from my son's mum, I, when I first found MKP, it was just like I committed to myself. I think I committed showing up without missing a week unless there was like a, a weekend retreat or something like that. So they don't have it the week that week leading into that. But for 12 months, every week for like fucking 12 months or probably even longer, I was just like, I was just into it, you know, like no matter what, if it's Tuesday night, cool, that's where I'm going to be at that time for that length of time, no matter what, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it does, it takes a big, a big commitment. Mm. Um, and, you know, I made that commitment, one, for myself and two, for my children. I got to the point where, as I said, when I split from my son's mom, it's like, fuck, whatever it is I'm doing in life is not working. I'm in the space again of walking away from a relationship that involves kids. It's fucking killing me internally. What have I got to do to change this? How do I, what have I got to do to show up differently? And it was within one of the first, I, I think, if I remember correctly, one of the first few months of sitting in circle where um, one of the facilitators said to a, another guy, or it might have been me, um, uh, are you the type of man that you would be happy to see your daughter fall in love with? And are you the type of man that you would be proud to see your son grow into? And having daughters and sons, I just went, oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. <sighs> like that was just, <laughs> like I took a massive hit from that. And I was like, fuck, like leading up to this, no, I'm fucking not. No, I would not be happy if my daughter was going out with a dude that I used to be. No, on some parts, yes, there are parts yeah, of me, sure. yes. As yeah. a whole, no, you know. And would I be proud of my son if he, you know, went down the life that I went down? I don't know if I, you know, proud's the right or the wrong word, but it's like, man, fuck, I'd be doing everything I could to guide him in a different in a different direction. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was uh, another big hit for me, and it was like fuck, radio. So what have I got to do to to be that person? You know, yeah, that was a massive one for me when um someone asked me that when I you know I was still single, but mm. um yeah, someone just said, uh, would you be happy if your daughter dated a man like you? And I was like, fuck no. And I the, my instant response, and then my instant response was like, then why are you doing what you do when you date women? And that was just yeah. a massive wake up call. You know, I even just did a post the other day on saying exactly the same thing. I was just like, fuck. Um, Duncan, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you so much. I got two questions to finish the podcast off with. Um, yeah, right. One is uh, what does an advanced man or what does a man have to do to become an advanced man around his identity? Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Commit to Commit to showing up to peel back all the latest layers to actually find who he really is and then move forward from there. Mm, mm, beautiful. Thank you very much. And the last question, when you turn 80 or 90, <laughs> if if you get there, when you turn 80, what's what do you want to be able to look back on and, and feel really proud about in your life? Well, I didn't think I was going to make it to 40. So if I hit 80, I'll be fucking killing it. Um Oh, and the other part to that was if it, if you don't see things as layers, take all the masks off. It's about right. removing a mask. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Get to eighty. Oh, well, I mean, you know, you know, you know what I've been working towards for a few years now. What I would love to be um, remembered by 
is ultimately having you know re reconstructed the youth detention system and having farm programs in youth detention um for greater healing and and more positive outcomes um there's another big part of me that would love to take men's circles and men's work into jails mm. i think to, for men to as as a society and in general to move forward and this is a post that i've done they're our baseline as a society men that are in jail and youth that are going moving into youth justice or youth detention as a society i see that as our baseline mm. and until you know we work as a society in working with them and and helping them move into the space of learning to heal and grow and have more positive outcomes you can fucking shoot the arrow as far as you know you pull it back or let the pull the what is it the the rubber band back as far it's only going to go so far mm. you know what i mean so yeah that's that, and that's been my vision for a very long time as you know mm. um so yeah just that's what i would uh, uh would love to be for a legacy to leave yeah yeah <clears throat> beautiful um if you ever take men's work in jails let me know i'll be happy to stand there with you yeah, I'm actually, I just connected with a few men that um, one men from America at the last Warrior Weekend that um, uh, was one of the men that had involvement in that work documentary, if you've ever watched it. Um, it's men's work that's being done in um, Folsom and San Quentin Prison, and it has been done for, I think he said about 12 to 15 years. Um, so I connected with him and then there's another few men that are on that same path and there's uh, other men that I've connected with over the last few years that are on the same path as to, to and other people as well about the farm programs in youth detention but uh, yeah brother for sure absolutely we're only as strong as our weakest link right and uh, yeah if we can <clears throat> I think there's also another belief I have of like they say how you do everything is how you do anything. And I don't believe that. And a previous guest I had on Pete Tansley wrote a post about it too. And I really resonated with him. It's like, you'll always fall to your lowest standard. And if we don't raise our lowest standard as a society, then our lowest standard is always going to be the men in prisons and the shit that goes wrong. And if we can lift the lowest part of our standards as men and as a society, we lift the entire fucking population up a level if we can lift our lowest standards. So Mate, I love your dream. I love your vision. I love your passion. And um, I'm I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. And uh, I'm excited to call you a friend and a brother. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, bro. And I, I appreciate your continued support. Yeah. Yeah. If um anyone wants to get in touch with you to help you with Brothers Keeper or anyone just wants to chat or, you know, work with you, because I know you do awesome work with uh, with men, especially, you know, real troubled men who have come from dark, dark places. Uh, I know that's your specialty because- you, I don't know another man that's lived it as, <laughs> better than you. Um, where can people get in touch? How can they how can they contact you? Yeah, pretty much at the moment uh, through Facebook or or Messenger. You look up Brothers Keeper on Facebook or look up you know Duncan Burns on um, Facebook. I do have an Instagram page. I th- I can't even remember what it's called though. I think it's D Burns underscore forty five or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I'm, I I. I more on messenger and facebook really so yeah if there's anybody that wants to reach out that's a, probably the best way to get me awesome uh we'll, we'll put all the links in the podcast episode um and uh, you know i'm not gonna lie 
I said this on another podcast, there's not too many dudes on Instagram or Facebook that I actually follow and like and engage with their content. And your content is definitely one of them that I still love reading. Every time I see it, you put a lot of heart in what you write and, and it's really articulated really well. So um, even if you just go follow him just to read his posts because they are fucking awesome. Um, dude, thank cool. you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, hopefully mostly gentlemen, uh, if you've liked the episode, you've liked the podcast, please share it with some friends. Uh, I hope you're enjoying listening to it on any and all the platforms that are available, Spotify, Google, um, Apple Podcasts. Um, if you liked it, please like and uh, press that follow button. Um, you know, this podcast is dedicated to um, men advancing in their life. And I constantly have on guests that have been through the darkness and support men to be better men um, because I don't think men should retreat. We should only ever advance. So thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, Dunk. And uh, I'll speak to you all later. Goodbye, everyone.